Welcome back, Kofkin Bond listeners, here with episode 157. And today, Tony, it's it's your favourite topic, and I guess Willard's favourite topic, and I'm always along here for the ride, but um, you've been a bit of a fortune teller today. Um, we're into the we're into the new financial year. Happy happy new financial year, and we're looking at the global market outlook, the fear of the unknown, the or fear, the fear of the known. The fear of the known, actually, uh, at the moment. So it was... It was definitely the fear of the unknown back in January, but we, we know exactly where we sit right now and exactly what was happening. So back in uh, Je- or December, realistically, there was a whole, you know, is inflation going to peak? You know, you have a look at the RBA. They said, oh, no, it'll just be a, a slight pace. Oh, no, it's going to be long term now. And, you know, so when Lucy asked me the other day, should she study her master's in economics? I said she should because look at the RBA. They get 99% of their predictions wrong, so she should have no problems passing. <laughs> so it's, uh, well, it's why are you laughing, Willow? <laughs> it's interesting. It has been a tough half to, um, like start to the year, the first half of the year. The Miski uh, all-country world index down 21.7% um, and the Bloomberg Global Treasury benchmark losing about 9% as of June 17. Did you know that before I wrote it? I did not know that. I'm just reading it off this list. But um, I think that the concerns obviously have been these include the new COVID lockdowns and economic shutdown in China, the Russian war, um, Ukraine war, the surging inflation and central banks tightening. Yeah, it's it's actually been a bit of a perfect storm. I mean, but in regards to the investment markets, it's been, take COVID as an example, the, the markets dropped dramatically and then rose dramatically, then dropped dramatically and then rose dramatically. It was like being on a... Uh, one of those roller coasters, those massive roller coaster rides. And it, the, the difference was, though, with, uh, say, if we're comparing it to the GFC, because everyone always likes to look back and do comparisons to 1929, 1987, the tech wreck, the GFC, etc. Uh, the GFC, there was fraud involved. Uh, the tech wreck, there was just the fear of missing out, which you could you could look at that as in the crypto uh, cycle uh, this time around or, you know, back or last year, people flooding into it and the fear of missing out. Uh, this time, though, you actually have had that perfect storm because COVID, this is the long-term effect of COVID. Uh, it has wreaked havoc. Uh, all the lockdowns, global lockdowns, yeah. uh, not just Melbourne, uh, but the absolute global lockdowns have actually wreaked havoc. Now, of course, when you have a look at uh, China, there's been a couple of things that have come out there because they are our largest trading partner, uh, whether they like our last government or this government's not the point. The point is they are still our largest trading partner um, or we export most of our commodities uh, to China. And they've gone into a lockdown uh, now, even though, you know, not two years ago, they've gone into this lockdown now. So from my sort of Chinese sources, it's, it's basically leading into the October elections, uh, which is the party elections that they actually have and whether the uh, Z can actually remain both well, chairman, leader of the army and lifetime president. Uh, so they're, they're basically saying, mm, you know, we, we enjoy being the CCP, but we also enjoy having the largest amount of billionaires per capita anywhere in the world, and we want to keep the economy going, and these lockdowns have uh, hurt the economy. But what they've also done is put on a massive strain in respect to take our building industry as an example, where yeah. cost of goods have gone through the roof and that flow on effect has been quite damaging. So between those lockdowns, inflation running out of control, which you know, who, who would have thought if you print you know, in the US $1.4 trillion that all of a sudden inflation would go out of control? <laughs> who, who would have thought? 
Uh, I seriously, I, I might take up a role, uh, you know, as an economist, Jamie. Uh, even though we we do work with one very very good economist, just in case you are listening, Mav, we do love you. Yeah. Um, but the I think the the key is though is that you know these things are going to occur. And then what do they do is they say, well, when you've got cheap money and huge cash flow, property prices went through the roof, didn't they? And once again, everyone started buying with that fear of missing out. You know, and it's, so you've, you've had that absolute perfect storm where things have just had to come down because if you've got cash rates paying nothing, uh, where, what are people going to do with their money? They're going to invest it. You know, if you've got huge uh, piles of cash lying around, you can put it in a bank and go backwards, even if inflation was only running at you know, 1%, you're going backwards in respect to your spending power, never mind if it's running at 8% or 9% or in some parts of the world, 10%. So it was invested and what that do? It pushed up stocks and to overpriced levels. But I think now, to be pessimistic now, I think the tide has gone out and we've seen who is swimming naked and you know we've, we've avoided them thankfully and we were just looking forward to a good 12 months. So how do you look at, I guess, the regional snapshots? How, like, the United States obviously is the one that seems to have a lot of talk around at the moment in recessions in the, in the back half of the year? Yeah, so if there's going to be, from uh, our research and our investment committee's research as well, and they're far more intelligent people than me, uh, the, the basis is if we are going to look at a recession in the US, it's probably going to be 2023. Uh, the likelihood of a recession is slowly rising over there. But at the same time, the Fed do have every opportunity right now to make sure that doesn't occur. In saying if it does occur, you know, once again, our exposure, we, we've still got exposure to the US market, but it's to what I've commonly called the big uglies, the ones that have got such huge cash flow and such huge cash piles that if corporate tax rates rise or interest rates rise, their debt level's nothing, so they don't care. Yep. Uh, but when you do have some you know, companies with market valuations of 30, 40, 50 billion dollars, uh, you know, even more, um, you know, there's one there that has a valuation, I think it's around about 400 billion dollars, and it passed its first profit last year. Now, if all of a sudden corporate tax rates rise and you've got um, interest rates rising as well, they're, they're so debt laden uh, that, yeah, they've, they've, I think they've gone down about 35% in value. I was about to swear there. No jokes. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing is people are buying on forward earnings, but when are they, where are those forward earnings projected? The way they're looking at the PE ratio is like 25 years into the future. I'm happy just to invest in a company now and get a nice steady 7%, 8% growth per year and some dividends. That'll do me just fine. Yeah. And, and your thoughts on Europe? Uh, Europe's actually quite interesting because in some sectors of Europe it's a bit of a basket case. You know there is there is fear uh, in uh, with the IMF. There is actually fear of potentially Italy defaulting on their bonds. Yeah. Uh, and there are certain other areas of run. Now Italy is a large economy and an important economy. Uh, when Greece defaulted on their bonds or Cyprus did, I don't think there were too many people raised eyebrows saying how did that happen. Uh, but with Italy, you know that that can cause ripple effects through uh, Europe. Uh, the UK's stock market has done well. It's always been lagging, say, compared to even just the Australian and the US, it's certainly been lagging. But the UK market has done well. One of the reasons being is the UK, their largest companies predominantly don't make any money in the UK. They're global. Yep. Uh, so they are global behemoths and as a result do make money globally as well. So they're not just reliant on the UK economy. Uh, but the UK has suffered for inflation there as well. So 
The, you know, I'm, I'm not too bullish on Europe, but there are some sectors uh, that we do like over the next 12 months that we think have been oversold because of fear of people just selling their index funds rather than individual companies saying, well, we shouldn't own this company anymore. Yeah, that's the same, you know, you've heard me say it a million times, Jamie, that if I like Microsoft at $300, I like it even more at, well, I think it's 249 today, so I like it even more at $249 because that's only been sold because people are selling their index funds out of fear and panic, worst possible time to sell rather than saying, I don't want to own Microsoft anymore because I think it's in trouble. Yeah. When we talk about asset classes as well. Disclaimer, don't go out and buy Microsoft. <laughs> most, most of my clients already hold it anyway. So it's, um, yeah. um, but when we talk asset classes, it was quite interesting in our investment committee meeting, um, adjusting that asset allocation in times like this. Absolutely. And, and I think it's actually important. So as an example, both internationally in, and Australia in shares, we have more of a value bias. If you look historically for us over the previous three years up until around about November, we certainly had more of a growth bias and that actually <coughs> performed really well. Whereas, <coughs> excuse me, whereas now we actually have more of a value bias and value is pretty much those big uglies, uh, the ones that people just think they're so boring. Why would I invest in a bank? You know, when times are going good and you can see afterpay shares going through the roof, etc. Uh, God, you'd be boring. You must be old, an old fuddy-duddy to actually have bank shares. But, you know, whereas now looking at where bank shares are, even though in Australia there's still a couple of them that could suffer a bit, uh, you know, if there's, more, if there's more large interest rate rises like we just suffered. Um, but, you know, I, I think from our investment committee, inflation pretty much has peaked. Uh, we're not going to see it drop dramatically. Uh, but inflation has pretty much peaked, but they are still going to raise interest rates to try and make sh to try and bring it down. Yep. I can't necessarily see going up further, but the interest rate rises are about trying to bring it down. So there's certain sectors that we will avoid here in Australia, and they're they're you know, cyclical sectors, but sectors we think the mining we don't have mining anyway, but we think uh, the mining stocks are overpriced right now because people rushing to them after Russia invaded Ukraine. Yep. Uh, Ukraine make their money from stuff they dig out of the ground or stuff they grow out in the ground. And when you've got things, for example, uh, in Australia that all of a sudden China are knocking on that door saying, can we have some coal, uranium, wheat and barley again, please? Because uh, we can't get it from Ukraine anymore. And of course, uh, global energy prices have gone through the roof because of the embargo on Russian, uh, I'm saying that, <laughs> might be an embargo on Russian gas, but hasn't stopped uh, Germany from being the second largest purchaser of gas from Russia still. So. It's, uh, they still need to keep their uh, people warm during summer, even though it is summer over there. But the thing is, though, is if you think about it, if this continues, uh, you've got Europe actually in summer at the moment. If this continues, the use of energy uh, does spike during winter. Uh, so that could really put problems going back to the Europe thing here in Australia. Uh, we just, you know, as an example, interest rates rise. If you have your mortgage going from you know, 2% interest rates to 4 or 5% interest rates, that's potentially on a million dollar mortgage and an extra $40,000 a year in after tax repayments. You're not going to be spending down at Westfield or Coles. Your discretionary spending is going to slow down. Yep. So having not having exposure to the online retailers or retailers in general is, is probably a good thing right now. I made my first comment about inflation the other day. I think I was at the supermarket and we went through and I was like, I thought this was going to be a cheap one. 
Um, and it's definitely you can definitely see the change in prices. Absolutely, you can. No, you, you certainly can. And it's you know it's 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 good for you and I, Jamie, because we're continually trying to lose weight. So if we can't afford food, <laughs> if we can't afford uh, the the luxurious foods that intend to add to our waistline, and we just eat. Uh, the good foods. I think avocados are quite cheap at the moment, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So it's uh, they're pretty cheap. So, I, but I think that that's as an example is you're not just going to take a bet right now on the S and P 500 or on the ASX 200, although both of them do look oversold. Yeah. Uh, you know, historically compared to where they are historically, so a contrarian view would suggest that they are very much oversold. But there's certain sectors in there that are still going to be tight and are still going to suffer. So actually having more of a dynamic asset allocation and looking at certain sectors, I think, is really vital over the next 12 months. But from where we are right now, uh, we would like to think that, you know, don't be pessimistic right now. There are some real opportunities. It doesn't mean there's not going to be volatility, at least for the next six months. Uh, China is slowly opening up again, uh, which is good. Exporting will, will start to happen. I would, I would suggest that probably by Christmas you'll start to see those tariffs that China slapped on during the Morrison government uh, will come off with the Albanese uh, Labor government. I think you'll see them coming off. There's just a bit of politics being played at the moment, especially in the press. Well, whether it's ha- politics is happening or not, the press will play it up, definitely. Yep. Uh, so, so I think you'll start to see those tariffs coming off. You'll start to see openings up. You'll start to see uh, exporting coming out. You'll start to see the cost of goods starting to come down again. Uh, but with interest rates high, people paying mortgages, uh, still having to tighten their belts. I mean, it's, it's the absolute opportune time right now to start looking at uh, looking at your mortgages and other things you can do. You know, mortgages and insurance seem to be a lazy thing for clients that they don't necessarily review those until times get a bit tough and then it goes into a panic. You should actually uh, be proactive in doing that in advance. Yeah. Tony, I really appreciate that. We're actually sending out um, next week a, the actual documentation around what we've talked about today as well and some of your thoughts you've put I thought on paper. it's going out today, Jim. Is it going out today? Then, that's, then there you I go. Know, we're both looking at Willard. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> He's just buried his face in his yeah, hands. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. No, that's good. And you've put some words down in writing, um, which people can read through as well. Words are usually in writing, Jamie, but yes. <laughs> I'm having a mare here. I'm having a mare, but Tony, I appreciate taking the time today. That's no, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co, which we are an authorised representative of Gown Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond & Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.